Welcome to Urban Principal, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. We are on episode 54, season 2, uh, still talking about innovative schools, and we are on part 4, and I was having some technology problems tonight, trying to get uh, everything working in my studio. Don't know what was going on. I don't know, something in the atmosphere or something, but it took a long time to get going tonight, and whatever for whatever reason, I did get it finally working, and I'm not sure what the heck that was, what gremlins I had. I'm sure nobody out there has ever experienced that with Zooms and your Teams meetings and anything else you're doing to do your in-services and teaching and educating right now. But back to our innovative schools, we were getting into uh, a lot of stuff, and I'm going to go back to a document, that document again, How School Districts Can Create Autonomous, Accountable Schools to Enhance Student Learning, and that was called The Third Way, A Guide to Implementing Innovative Schools by Progressive Policy Institute, and it was Tressa Pankovitz and David Osborne, and I did get a chance to talk to David, um, interesting guy who agreed with a lot of the things I had to say as well about innovative schools, and they have some good research, and I'm going to jump ahead to a section in that same document that I found pretty insightful and um, good stuff, real good stuff as we're talking about ways to create better schools. Um, They had a section they uh, talked about spreading the autonomy beyond failing schools. Um, Let me read this little section to you. In many districts, innovative schools are used primarily as a strategy for turning around chronically underperforming schools. But there is no reason to reserve the strategy for low-performing schools. And when a turnaround school succeeds in improving, it would be uh, foolhardy to take away its autonomy and accountability. All successful schools require serious commitment from their leaders and staff, and that commitment will usually be deeper if they control their own schools. In Denver, any school can become an innovative school if the teachers vote for the innovation plan and the superintendent and the school board agree. In the first year after Texas legislation passed, most of the applications for partnership school status involved uh, turning around failing schools. But according to Joe Seidlecki, who oversees the initiative for the Texas Education Agency, every year since then, the percentage has gone down. In 2020, only two of 37 applications were for turnarounds. Districts are using it with stronger schools, often to promote specialized schools or networks with coherent models, international baccalaureate, uh, Montessori, STEM, project-based learning, Sedlicki says. In a few cases, high-performing principals applied because they wanted more autonomy. And the focus school, which we'll get into uh, coming up soon in another episode, um, we had a STEAM. We focused on STEAM and project-based learning, and blended learning and had a lot of different uh, initiatives going within our whole program and then within the districts there were there was a pathway to of the focus school to the middle school and to the high school and the middle school uh, Lewis and Clark also had the international baccalaureate program that I just mentioned 
so they did have some specialized programs and the idea of course was that parents would have more choices which uh, I think is important for parents today Uh, let me continue a little bit into their reading. In Indianapolis, Indianapolis, the original plan was just for failing schools and external partners, IPS Superintendent Alicia Johnson told us, but now some great IPS schools want to have the opportunity to operate uh, autonomously as well. They want to convert from good to great. We also have some that aren't good but want to uh, jumpstart. And... Their board also agreed and staff developed a criteria for school level conversions that allow increased autonomy without complete reconfiguration of staff and curriculum. Um, and they go into some more details on that. Um, I did want to jump to something else that I um, agreed with too within their uh, here's another section I liked. Quality teachers and principals in every district long for more autonomy because no central office can ever have enough uh, frontline knowledge to make the right decisions at every school. And that is true because every school is different, every community is different. And I've uh, been a principal of a 90% free and reduced lunch school in a high poverty area and also of a school. There's about 65% free and reduced lunch with a unique program. That was a focus school. So um, very different, but very uh, broad scope in who they served and the areas that we served and the communities. So each was different and needed um, or had different needs. Um, going on, it says freeing them from rules that dictate that they hire a librarian when they really need a social worker, for example, improves teacher and administrator morale, along with student outcomes. The high morale employees in conversion schools can become the district's strongest advocates for innovative schools because most are longtime district personnel. They have credibility with other teachers and staff. As cheerleaders for autonomy, they often insulate innovative schools from much of the backlash against so-called outsiders and privatizers uh, that charter schools experience. So having this um, autonomous public school is an excellent way to add some diversity and some different learning models so that uh, parents can choose different learning models. In our district, the, the district I came from, Omaha Public Schools had uh, magnets and uh, they were moving somewhat away from magnets a little bit, but they had the focus school and uh, Recently, I just saw in the newspaper that the high schools are creating uh, intensive academies with pathways, career pathways, they're calling it, so that students have more selection within uh, certain pathways and possible career choices and that they can um, choose courses that are going to help them in moving towards that career. And it's more of a mini college uh, uh, almost the way I kind of read it. And then, of course, depending on the schools that uh, are uh, favoring like engineering and computers and STEM, and there's one that does uh, aeronautics and uh, um, flight, and there's just different focuses that you could head to uh, as a student as you kind of move forward in your career. So that 
to me, is working somewhat on innovative schools and changing the game and trying to make your schools fit more the experiences that the students need. And that's more of what we need to be looking at. Um, they go on to uh, a section on let parents choose from a, a diversity of learning models. Uh, it is well established that different children arrive at school with different needs and learn in different ways. Some are verbal learners, some are hands-on learners, others are abstract thinkers. They have varying degrees of non-cognitive skills such as uh, persistence, self-control, curiosity, and patience. Some have a learning disability, others are gifted, still others find it impossible to sit still. Luckily, there are dozens of different kinds of schools, project-based learning, dual language, immersion, um, the International Baccalaureate that I talked about, and schools that specialize in science and technology, or performing arts, or public policy, or community service. Um, so there's a lot of different schools, too. The trick is building a portfolio of choices that fit your community's needs, and I think that's important for districts to look at. How can you meet the needs of your community and how can you help students and how can you change the game so that the schools are um, a better fit for all students and what they're trying to do. And, and they go on to say when a family uh, chooses a school that works for their child, students are less likely to resist going to school and are happier and more motivated. And that is so true because when we uh, had the focus school going uh, full bore, one of the things that we noticed was the the uh, attendance rate was really high and I had uh, I was tracking a lot of our students and the interesting thing is a lot of the students from different areas in high poverty areas and especially our African-American students who had a poor record of attending school were now in the upper 90s for attendance and they didn't want to miss school and they wanted to come to a program with an extended day and a, an extended year and a lot of that was the programming and our focus on student strengths and building students and giving them the things uh, that meet their needs. So um, in terms of wrapping up today, I think I will use some quotes from Martin Luther King since we are on Martin Luther King Day. And um, I found a couple. Um, he has so many good quotes. Um, this I'll, I'm going to give you two tonight, bonus tonight. Along the way of life, someone must have sense enough and morality enough to cut off the chain of hate and evil. The greatest way to do that is through love. And that was Martin Luther King Jr., May of 1956. And then another one that was appropriate for innovative schools. Is there an uh, agonizing loneliness that characterizes the life of the pioneer? Martin Luther King Jr., March 14, 1966. Because if you're out there right now and you're a school leader and you're a school administrator and you're a teacher that are looking to do things differently you are definitely a pioneer so keep moving forward and keep uh, pushing that envelope and coming up with creative ways to meet your student needs and to make schools more of a place of learning for all students so keep promoting effective leadership through productive culture changes and until next time let's stay positive to Urban Principle. Leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAnderson Consulting.com.